finds the lane and jams it down. Taking you behind the scenes and inside the locker room. You're listening to The Raptors Beat with Josh Lewinberg and Nikki Reyes on TSN 1050. The Raptors live here. Yes, yes. Welcome to the show. Josh Lewinberg, Nikki Reyes with you for, oh, I don't know, the next 53 minutes or so. And a lot to get to. We, uh, we had a chance to chat with one of the newest Raptors assistant coaches, Trevor Gleason, the Aussie, earlier this week. And just a, a really unique journey from Australia to the NBA. So we get into that with Trevor, and that's coming up later in the hour. We'll preview tonight's game against what's left of the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, most of the big guns for Philly out of the lineup. The Raptors may be without a couple players as well, but an important game for the Raptors, a chance to get back on track. But first, Nikki, the Raptors, uh, what a difference a week makes for them. Apparently, last week, the theme of the show was perfection, right? They went 4-0. Yeah. During the week, they were riding this five-game winning streak. So naturally, the Raptors have now lost three games in a row, all three games this week, and three very different losses highlighted or maybe low-lighted by the loss in Boston last night. Yeah, and it's funny because, you know, going into that Boston game, Nick Nurse was saying, you know, we're 6-5, and five, you know, lost two in a row, but we're in a good position. Like, you know, just feeling good about things regardless of the last two losses. And then last night was perhaps, well, no, guaranteed uh, the worst game of the season, minus that opening night, whatever that was, against Washington. They just didn't look like anything we've seen uh, this season. And so... The, the, the loss against the Cavs, that was a tough one because it was a heartbreaker. They almost had that one in hand, but you got to give it to Cleveland who, who just kept at it and fought it, fought at it to get the win. The Brooklyn one, you know, they hung in there, but against, you know, a, a team that could quite possibly win it all this year, okay, you can almost understand that. But last night was a terrible, terrible loss, Josh, considering how they spanked Boston the last time they saw them. They were playing without Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum uh, wasn't exactly having the best game uh, of his life, but Robert Williams did. And so I, I'm, I don't think it's time to panic or, or, or you know, sound it off any alarms, but you got to, you know, last night really left a bad taste in, in, in a lot of people's mouth. Yeah, I'm with you. The losses have gone from bad to worse. I, I mean, the Cleveland game, the Cleveland game was bizarre, right? I mean, the Cavs lead for 4.8 seconds of the entire 48-minute game. It just so happens to be the final 4.8 seconds. <laughs> yeah. You can look at the fourth quarter there and a bunch of bounces that, that go in the wrong direction. Uh, on both ends of the floor, if you're the Raptors, I mean, Cleveland's not. Jared Allen banks in a, a wild three. The Raptors have some shots pop out, I including a good look from OG at the buzzer and then even closer to the buzzer a missed tip in by Scotty Barnes the officiating wasn't great that Flesh night as well so yeah I mean that loss stings and it's even harder because you you look further into the schedule and it, it gets tougher you have Brooklyn coming in a few days later on Sunday and then you you go to Boston and then we'll preview the schedule going even further than that but you, you've got this really tough 
six-game road trip coming up. So not to, to not get that game against Cleveland, a game that was very winnable, and a game that, I mean, the Raptors could and probably would argue they should have won, that hurts. But then Brooklyn, I agree with you. I, I think th- that's where their inexperience really showed. They outplayed the Nets in the first half, second half. I, I mean, comes down to talent. I think KD just took over in the third quarter. But the game against Boston, yeah, I, I mean, clearly the Celtics were embarrassed by what the Raptors did to them in that home opener of theirs, and they meant business last night. The Raptors just didn't, for whatever reason, match the effort and intensity. W- when you look at the three losses, or, or maybe the, the last two specifically against Brooklyn and Boston, considering how badly the Raptors have been outplayed here, is there any underlying concern or something that stands out a common denominator in those losses? Um, well, I think a lot of people are uh, singing the praises of Ken Birch right now and just how much he yeah. means to this team. You know, we always say he's not going to jump out uh, on the box score, but it's all the little things that he does. And, and definitely, like last night, uh, you know, offensive rebounds for the Raptors, they only had six. I think Williams had eight total, you know, on, on the night. And 18 uncharacteristic turnovers for the Raptors, which is a real problem, too. But, yes, I I would say what stands out for me is, of course, Cam Birch. And we have to remember that this is just Pascal Siakam's second game back, right? And while I'm not expecting him to be the Pascal Siakam that we know and we we, we can trust on this team, I think it it is affecting everybody else and and how they are supposed to play and their positioning on the floor and how that opens up the floor. And Fred was saying last night, playing without a big, you know, is kind of, uh, you know, mixing things up for them. And then that's something that they have to figure out. Um, But right now, uh, (laughs) playing without a big is is a real problem for the Raptors. And, and you know, I don't don't know. Do you know when Ken Ken Birch is is set to return? Like, I don't think there's a timetable right now for him. and, And they really could use him. Yeah, no, I think technically he's listed as doubtful for tonight in Philadelphia, although it it would be surprised if he played. It doesn't sound like it's a serious long-term thing, which is good news for the Raptors. I mean, Mm -hmm. we were talking, it's funny, we were talking to Kem a few weeks ago about maybe being underappreciated. Well... I'm not sure he's being underappreciated right now. We, we Alex McKechnie, if you're listening, get your <laughs> red shoelace out and, and tie it around that knee of Kem's. Get that swelling down because they absolutely need him. I I agree with you. I think so. The 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 turnovers and the rebounding are the two things that stand out to me from these last couple games. I mean, coming into the weekend, the Raptors were seventh in rebounding. First in offensive rebounding, third in second chance points, third in opponents' turnovers, seventh in points off of turnovers. I think if you're looking at it broadly, the Raptors have been winning games so far this season because of how hard they've been playing. But if we want to be more specific, the Raptors have been winning games because they're turning teams over and they've been winning the battle on the boards they're not a good offensive team at least not right now they're not good they're not great in the half court but they're generating those extra possessions because of how hard they're playing but over these last two games they've been out rebounded 92 to 76 24 to 14 on the offensive glass they've been outscored 35 to 17 in terms of second chance points 21 to 8 specifically last night against boston so i'm not sure how to explain it i I mean 
if we're being realistic, there's probably a bunch of reasons, and you, we've already yeah. talked about a few of them. No Kem Birch, you're playing small with Pascal Siakam out and, and or back and w- without Kem Birch. Last night specifically, you've got a team in Boston that probably had that game circled and was out for revenge, um, and you just didn't play as hard as them, but the Raptors quite simply aren't good enough to not win those battles. If they're not playing harder, if they're not outworking the other team, you're not going to win a lot of games. Games, and that's the problem right now. Yeah, and they just couldn't seem to finish in transition last night. And we yeah. know that that's their bread and butter, right? If you're not going to play well in the half court, then you're going to have to finish in transition. And, and that just didn't happen. And I found it interesting that, I, you know, they were playing behind most of the night. And, and Fred was saying after the game, like, I think a lot of guys were forcing shots. And guys weren't expecting, you know, those, some shots, some of those shots, and so they weren't re- ready uh, for the offensive rebound. And, and that, of course, is is why Toronto has found success uh, so far this season. So in transition and offensive rebounds, and if that's not happening, um, you know, it's going to be a long night. Like that was a really hard game to watch last night. I was like, you know what? If we didn't have to talk about it Thursday morning, I probably would have turned it off because it was just <laughs> frustrating. It was just really frustrating to watch. I'm like, who is this team? It's it's this was terrible. It was a terrible game. Well, Pascal Siakam was one of those guys that had a frustrating night. You could see it on his face. You mentioned him earlier. He's back, which is great news. Probably a couple weeks ahead of schedule. I thought he looked good in his debut against Brooklyn. Had a rough night last night. What are your early impressions on Spicy P? Too spicy, not spicy enough? <laughs> well, yeah, I can't knock the guy because he did come back uh, earlier or sooner than anticipated, right? And you're right. He looked good in that first game against Brooklyn. Last night, I thought he was pretty good uh, defensively. Like, you know, he was able to, to force some, some, some turnovers. Uh, but he, uncharacteristically, I think had four turnovers uh, in that game and just couldn't seem to find... Uh, a shot. And I think a lot of that has to do with him still trying to figure out spacing and, and, and how the flow of the offense is working. Like, you know, everybody else has had eight, nine games to get used to each other, and now they have to almost reset. So that this is why I'm not, I'm not too panicked because we saw the Raptors having issues to begin the season when Pascal wasn't there trying to figure each other out, and they're once again having to fig- figure each other out. But, um, what did you see from Pascal? I, I can't, I can't, you know, I can't harp on the guy because he's been, he was out for so long. And, and that's just it. Like, th- there needs to be some patience here, certainly from Pascal himself uh, in terms of the frustration level. Like, it, it's going to take some time. He has to understand that and be okay with it, accept it to some degree. It can be hard on himself, sure, accountable, sure, but it, it, it's not going to happen in one or two games. And it's also not a linear thing, right? And, and people have to be understanding of that, that, Okay, he looked good against Brooklyn, but that's not the way it works, where you look good one game and then you look better the next game, then you look great the third game by the fourth game. It's like he never missed six months at all, right? Like, it's not a linear thing until he gets back into game shape, until he gets his timing and his rhythm back. There are going to be ebbs and flows. There are going to be games where he looks good and games where he doesn't look good. I thought the decision-making wasn't great last night, but, I, I mean, that's something that comes with time, too. I know we tend to think when somebody misses six months... It's a conditioning thing, and you just have to get your legs back, and, and there's something to that as well, obviously, but there's also the timing element of it, uh, being able to read the defense, read double teams, make the right read, make the right pass. Like Those are things he hasn't done in a long time, so I think right. that's going to take a little bit of time as well. And then for Nick Nurse and for the rotation, like there's a learning curve here as well. I, I don't... I, 
I loved the idea of the small lineup. Have your five best players on the floor, but we, we talked about the Raptors' rebounding woes over the last couple games, and I don't think those things are unrelated. You're playing small right now. When when Kem Birch comes back, do you consider starting big with Kem at the five and maybe maybe Gary Trent goes to the bench and OG's at the two? That's something that we talked about as a possibility before Pascal came back, but it's something you have to seriously consider. And then when you look at the other end of the rotation, Precious Achua is having a hard time right now. He acknowledged it to us this week. Chris Boucher probably having an even harder time i mean first 12 games of the season last year he couldn't miss he was 21 for 44 from three 48 percent so far this year six for 33 from three 18 percent so those are guys I, I mean they're on notice right now pascal is back Kem is coming back at some point utah watanabe not far behind and right now i think boucher and, and probably achua both are, are playing for their minutes I, I think their roles are extremely tenuous right now I 110% I was going to ask you about Chris Boucher because it's one thing, as we always say, it's one thing if you're not going to be able to contribute offensively, but you have to do the other things. And he is just a negative in every department. Like last night was a painful, painful exercise to watch him uh, play. And I think, you know, Nick Nurse is going to have to make some tough decisions. And I get that he's a bit shorthanded. We saw some weird uh, lineups last night because, you know, Nick is trying was trying to find uh, a spark try to find someone to get the, the the team going but it's the answer is not Boucher and I, I'm wondering how long or how short his leash is at this point and Precious you know you mentioned him now you know having to come off the bench now with, with Pascal back I thought he looked a bit better against uh, in that Nets game coming off the bench yeah. and he you know mentioned playing a little bit more free and, and having to play his game but then last night I mean yes he always he always contributes uh you know in the rebounding department there's just that one, that one, you know, fast break where he, all he had to do is chip it ahead to Svima Hayek, and he does this so often where he can, you know, handles the ball, but he doesn't have his head up, and I don't understand why that he does that. And that would have been a really—I'm not saying that that was make or break the game, but that is a momentum, you know, swinging kind of game if you just chipped it ahead to Zvi. Easy two points, and who knows what could have happened from there. I, I, I don't know what to. I mean, you have to play Precious. You can't not play Precious, right? And with, with especially with Boucher struggling the way he is. I, I just think, I mean, I think they might have to recalibrate his role a little bit. It's already changed, and I think it needs to change again. In fairness to Precious, this is almost like a second rookie season for him, not only changing sure. teams and learning a new sure. system, a new organization, but... Do barely played last year. Like his role was very yes. limited, very specific in terms of what he was asked to do. Whereas he comes to the Raptors and they're encouraging him to do more. But right now they're asking him to do a lot more than what he did in too Miami much. last year. He too much, and he's 22 years old. He's learning on the fly. I still like him. I think it's way too early to make any kind of like okay, well staple him glue him to the bench like no not not quite but at the same time like i think that they might need to consider finding a more appropriate a more limited role for him right now to to be able to grow and, and maybe that happens a little bit more naturally uh let's well, get to the yeah. kalos here let's oh, get to the okay. kalos here kalos we were talking a lot of and it's going to be tough this week we we're talking a I lot of a lot of constructive things, uh, constructive criticism to this point. I think it's going to be a lot harder to find some of the positives than it was 
after a 4-0 and week. But a, mm-hmm. a quick a quick reminder, the Kalos, every week Nikki and I hand out, we do three points for whoever the big winner of the week was, top performer, the star of the week. Two points and then one point. We keep track of it throughout the year, leaderboard, uh, and at the end of the year, we're going to have a winner for whoever accumulates the most points. It could be anybody, and I think we might need to get a little bit creative for for this week. Nikki, who are you giving your three points to? Can Alex McKechnie get a point for bringing Pascal back sooner than uh, expected? Uh, no. Yeah. Um, yeah. This was this was a bit. You're right. It was a bit of a a tough a tough. Yeah. This was tough trying to figure out who really uh, performed this week. Um, I'm going to go a little unconventional and give three points to Birch only because of what we were just talking about. Like we just, it's a Birch appreciation moment. Uh, just everything that he's been able to contribute and do for the team that we don't really, you know, well, I think we, I think he gets his flowers, but I think he's sorely missed these last couple of games without him. So I don't care. I'm giving him the three, uh, two, I'm going to give to Scotty because Scotty has just been so consistent uh, this entire season. He's never too up. He's never too down. Um, and he's always playing within his game, and he's always contributing somehow. So I'm going to give the two to Scotty, and I'm going to give one uh, to Pascal because he's pointless so far on the season because he's only played two games. But I love that he was able to come back uh, as soon as he did, and um, the one the one star is is for uh, the optimism of what he'll be able to to do moving forward. That was a deep so, that was a deep dive, wasn't it? Like I was. <laughs> My three guys are, are the same in a different order. It, it, it's it's a tough week. Okay. Um. So <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna give three Kalo points <laughs> to Pascal Siakam, who did not admittedly did not look good uh, yesterday in in Boston, but I to to work his way back from being out rehabbing five six months, being ahead of schedule. He talked to us after his season debut against Brooklyn about everything that he went to, went yeah. through, just that emotional journey back going into the offseason, wanting to just lock in, coming off of a really difficult year, the bubble and, and the Tampa season, COVID and all of that, wanting to go back to the drawing board basically and, and have one of those offseasons that he's had before where he's really working on his game and then has to go through the surgery, talked about really crying for the first time since he lost his his father exactly and to to be able to come back from that and to see him now go through this process of of getting his game back and that's not going to be easy either but i'm going three stars three points sorry for pascal siakam this week i'm going to give my two to kem birch for a lot of the reasons we've already (laughs) talked about Dude only plays one game this week and, and gets two points from me, three points from you, but that speaks to how valuable <laughs> he is. He leads the team exactly. plus 40 in his 238 minutes this season. They're minus 24 without him. There's a reason for that. And then what point for Scotty Barnes? He also comes back from uh, from an injury, the thumb injury. Looked pretty good, although he was a bit tentative, as Nick Nurse talked about after the Brooklyn game. But I thought he was far more assertive against Boston. And, hey, Nikki, home away from home for him right now. Like you, he loves Boston. <laughs> he uh, looking real comfortable in that TD Garden now in two games. 46 combined points for him, 20 rebounds, 18 for 28 in the Garden this year. So uh, looking at the leaderboard now, Scotty Barnes up top. Nine points. He leads things with Kem Birch just behind him at seven points. A three-way tie. 
for six points with OG Ananobi, Fred Van Vliet, and Raptors fans still still with those six points after the opener. Now, when we come back, we, we had a conversation with new Raptors assistant coach, the Aussie Trevor Gleason, earlier this week, and a really interesting, remarkable story, his journey from yeah. Australia to the NBA. Um, he's a guy who's seen a lot, not unlike his boss, Nick Nurse, sort of similarities there in terms of the places they've coached, the things they've seen, and now he gets this NBA opportunity. So a really fun chat that will play for you on the other side of the break. You're listening to the Raptors Beat on TSN 1050. It's Rick you're slaving me! The Raptors beat goes inside the locker room, bringing you the latest from your Toronto Raptors. On TSN 1050, the Raptors live here. Josh Lewenberg and Nikki Reyes back with you on the Raptors beat. Talked about Trevor Gleason, the Raptors' new assistant coach earlier. He, he stands out a little bit. On this coaching staff, he's got this great Australian accent, which he joked with us. Sometimes the players have a hard time understanding him. But listen, he fits in better than he thinks, I think, when you look around this organization. First of all, we know that they're an international team. But also, you look at the head coach, Nick Nurse, and all the places that he's been, everything that he's seen, everything that he's done. And similarly, Gleason has coached everywhere, it seems. He's... Got a ton of coaching experience around the world, different levels of basketball in different places. And like Nurse, he has had a ton of success everywhere that he's been. He's won five NBL championships over the last few years. Um, He has coached internationally. He's coached the Australian national team. And he's had this really interesting journey. So we had a chance to chat with him, get to know him a little bit better. And here's our chat with Trevor Gleason. You've been coaching for a long time, not unlike your your new boss, Nick. You've seen a lot of things in a lot of different places. But what have these last few weeks been like? What is this? How does this NBA experience so far stack up with all the other things that you've done? Yeah, it's a lot compounded, obviously, with the games. It's um, normally we play on weekends. You've got the week to prepare. There's a lot of time. But in the NBA, it's game after game. It's move on pretty quick. So it's uh, a lot to take in, but uh, certainly enjoying it. What would you say has been the biggest adjustment for you so far? Yeah, just the uh, how big the squad is, or literally how big they are. The players are stronger, faster, quicker, taller. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of elements there, and how good the players are. Obviously, the skill level is world class, and that's uh, great to work with on a daily. What's the biggest difference in coaching an NBA player? from coaching other players? I think as soon as you step over the line, it's uh, the, the players want to improve and want to you know, see stuff on the court that maybe they're not seeing at the moment and help them with their skill-wise. Uh, that, that, that's all over the world, you know, from, from um, Australia to, to Europe to the NBA. It's, and it's the building the relationships, you know. It's building the relationships with the players that they can trust you and they ask you what you see and you're, you're helping them along. That, that's the, the best part of coaching. 
I'd ask you to take us through your journey in basketball, but I think we'd be here forever, Coach. So just how do you think everything that you've experienced, all the, all the stops that you made, all the championships that you won, how has it prepared you for this experience? Yeah, it's really good, and that's where Coach Nurse comes in. And he said he wants a different perspective, you know, where I'm coming from, that uh, this is what worked successfully somewhere else that we might be able to transfer into the, um, you know, the Raptors this year. And that's the good part of it, that they have a coaching mentality. I've been a head coach the last 17 years and and now I can use some of that experience and hopefully uh, shed some light on the coaching staff. As Nikki mentioned, you've had a pretty remarkable journey, a, a remarkable story. Can you take us through, maybe going back to the, the start here, how you got into coaching? Yeah, well, look, I played and then I had an accident as an 18-year-old and I really couldn't play sport at a high level. Um, and then I got into coaching and I really enjoyed helping juniors. I just started off coaching kids and then I went to to coaching females and then at, at the young age of 21 I was a head coach of coaching men you know uh, guys a lot older than me so and it just transpired from there and it's uh, you know I haven't I often joke that I've never worked a day in my life because I'm doing something that I'm passionate about and um, you know and got the opportunity now at the NBA. Can you give us some insight into what is your specialty? What was it about um, that you did or do that Nick said I need to have you uh, on my staff? Yeah, it's a whole whole range. We're very big in, uh, in Perth was the culture. Uh, it was the the playing unselfish, playing the extra pass, and having that mentality. And and really, um, what I came in here is to have that head coaching experience of you know being in the hot seat. Obviously, Nick has a thousand decisions he's got to make in a moment's notice, and um, hopefully, we can see in, in uh, you know what avenues are good for him. So uh, yeah, to help out that part, and obviously the skills with the players that. Some little bit of international, um, you know, how, how we move the ball and how we, uh, you know, do a Euro step and a little bit different from uh, outside the NBA. We saw that from Scotty the other night. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Well, he's a very talented player. I think he's got a lot of skill by himself, but uh, hopefully we can take him to the elite level. Well, hey, you see the international flavor the second you walk into the gym with all the flags on the wall. Hey, you were more than two decades into your career when you pivot and go on a different, you end up in Melbourne. Mm. Melbourne with uh, in the AFL, the Australian mm, Football yeah. League. Were there were there things that you took from that experience, transferable skills or lessons that you were then able to? take to basketball when you did make your return to the sport? Yeah, I did. It was AFL. I worked under Alistair Clarkson. He's won four championships over there. and He has a really good culture and, uh, and uh, values and behaviours that we took from the AFL into basketball, into the Perth Wildcats. And that's I see that slowly coming here into the NBA. It's it's more getting team ball over here, sharing and, and having those joint values and behaviours on the court. When I was back coaching in the CBA back in 2000, it was a lot of isolation basketball and so I think that's going to transcend into the NBA in the next couple of years with, um, with sharing the ball and playing the right way and it's a good uh, way to go I think what you guys do is so much more than just X's and O's. It's about relationships as well. How would you say your relationships are developing with the players and with the coaching staff? I mean, I know you know Nick, but now that you guys are working together every day, what is that like? Yeah, and, that, and that's the thing that we have. We we said we want to win championship rings and build relationships. So we had rings and relationships, uh, something you work on every day. and. You know, I've been very lucky with the coaching staff here. All the coaching staff are very, very welcoming from an outsider. 
you know, especially with a little bit of a, a slang with the accent that they uh, sometimes they look at me strange when I when I say a word. No, we love we I love the accent. Yeah, I keep talking. Yeah, and it's uh, no, it's been really good that way. And some of the players, I'll I'll turn some terminologies, and they just stop and stare at me. And say, what the hell are you talking about, you crazy Australian? Uh, it's been fun. It's a, a good environment to be in. So you get the call this summer. You find out that this amazing NBA opportunity. It is is here, but it, it's not an easy decision, right? Like you, you've got to leave home. You, your your kids are still in school, right? So they're they're back in Australia. What what was it like to make that decision, and ultimately, why did you decide that this was the right time to make the jump? Yeah, look, I got offered uh, plenty of jobs in the past, not in the NBA, in in Europe, in Asia. Um, from the Perth Wildcats and I was quite happy in Perth it's a great place to live and I got a you know two kids in school and, and a wife and it was really I, I couldn't put my head on the pillow and say I'm going to say no to the NBA it was um, you know I don't know if I'll be here one year ten years or the next 20 years I don't know but it's something that I don't want to have a regret that turned that opportunity down and it's a big call and I'm over here by myself at the moment families you know kids are still finishing the school years different in Australia so hopefully they'll get here um, you you know, early in the new year, and it won't be too much snow for them. Just in time for the nice weather. Yeah, yeah hopefully. Well, how has that been for you, Coach? I'm sure it's not easy leaving your mm. family. Emotionally, how have you been dealing with it, and, and like, how, where do you find solace? Yeah, that's a hard part, especially with two young kids. It's, it's uh, my son can't wait to get over here, but my daughter wants me to come back home. And, and but uh, thank goodness for for FaceTime and, and WhatsApp that uh, I can talk to him most mornings and see him most mornings. So uh, that helps the journey. Mm-hmm. But um, hopefully that we're looking at the bigger picture and um, they'll be able to join us here real soon. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot before we let you go. Do you know how many countries you've coached in? No. Uh, Four, five, six, seven? I'm not sure. I would have taken the over on that, but I wasn't going to ask you to name them all. No, no. Well, I've been in Australia the last uh, 17 years, so I had uh, Asia over here, and and I guess with the Olympics and the World Championships, uh, you can throw a little bit more in there. Toronto's the best, though, right? Of course. Without a question. Love it. Uh, last one, last one for yeah. you, Coach. I know Nick Nurse has his, like, music, and that's his outlet. What are you doing to kind of get away when you need to get away from basketball? Well, right now I'm guessing all Nick's songs when he, he, as soon as he starts playing them in the office. So I'm chesting <laughs> name out. That yeah, name that tune. I'm getting really good at that. But, uh, you know, just to get away from the court, I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty... Uh, Get out and explore Toronto. I love uh, the weather out there. The last couple of days have been fantastic. Hopefully, it stays like that. I'm not looking forward to the snow. It's only going okay, to be- yeah. get better from here. Don't worry. Yeah, right? I hope so. You have a good jacket, right? Yeah. Well, not yet. I got to go and buy one. <laughs> well, Trevor, it's great to have you here, uh, and best of luck the rest of the season. Good. Thanks, guys. Appreciate Thank- it. There he is, Raptors assistant coach Trevor Gleason. And, Nikki. we know that Nick Nurse likes to have different perspectives on his bench, and Trevor definitely brings that. Oh, absolutely. He has, like, a wealth of knowledge. And like you mentioned, a world of knowledge, right? And you see that in the Raptors basketball, that, that unselfishness, that, that uh, philosophy of moving the ball. And uh, I, I think he's a good fit for, for not just Nick and having him on his staff, but, of, of course, uh, for the team. And I can listen to the guy talk all day. I really could. Love that accent. Okay, on the other side of the break, we're going to preview tonight's game against Philadelphia, a game that somehow the Sixers are favored in, and then we're going to look ahead to the rest of this week, make our predictions, and make our bets. 
You're listening to The Raptors Beat here on TSN 1050. I've been against the odds my whole life. Oh, yeah. It's not going to stop now. Feeling good. Just bet on yourself. Why wouldn't you? Just bet on yourself. You're you. Just bet on yourself. Time to bet on yourself. Don't be afraid to bet on yourself. On TSN 1050, the Raptors live here. I got my money on me. I do. I bet on myself. I can't expect them to check up on me. Gotta check on myself. I got my money on me. Watch me win in the end. And after that, I'm gonna keep going and winning again and again. Welcome back to the Josh Raptors Wilberg. beat. Oh, Josh has got it. Josh, there you are. <laughs> I was waiting for you, Nikki. Oh, sorry. I was waiting for you. We got to work on that. Just letting the music there. breathe. Yeah, I, I like that song. So, yeah, okay. <laughs> Go for it, Josh. <laughs> Josh Lewenberg, Nikki Reyes, back with you here on the Raptors beat. And, yes, once again, we are betting on ourselves. It worked out pretty well for Nikki last week, predicting the 4-0 and week. Raptors 0-3 this week. I was a little bit closer than you, Nikki, this week. Uh, I, I had the Raptors going 1-2. I had the win against Cleveland. You did. And then you had, you had them going 2-1. You had the loss in Boston. So here's where we stand. We're even, 7-4 and four here after three weeks. It's a close race. It's a close right, race. Right, right. Yeah, I'm... Now, it's going to be a tough, tough sledding for the Raptors here on out. Uh, I mean, the next seven other eight games are going to be on the road, Josh. They're home to Detroit this Saturday, who is terrible, which is good news for the Toronto Raptors. Uh, but before <laughs> yep. that, they have to take care of business tonight against Philly. Uh, we know how the Raptors are on back-to-backs. This season, they're a bit better than they were last year. How optimistic are you that they'll get a win uh, tonight against an undermanned Philadelphia 76ers team? Well, the Sixers are favored, minus three points. Bit of a surprise here. We know no Joel Embiid. He's in the health and safety protocol. If you haven't heard, Ben Simmons is not currently playing basketball, so Simmons <laughs> remains out. Uh, no Matisse Thibel for, uh, for Philly either. Isaiah Joe out also in the protocols. Tobias Harris and Seth Curry both questionable, so a big Long injury report for the Sixers. In terms of the Raptors, Ken Birch expected to miss another game, and I would be very, very surprised if we saw Pascal Siakam tonight. The Raptors likely to hold him out in the second game of back-to-back. So the injury report might be longer than the list of guys that are actually playing, but, (laughs) I mean, here's the thing. The Raptors, as we know, they can win without Pascal Siakam. They did it to start the season. And, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, the second night of a back-to-back, it's been tough for the Raptors historically, whereas the Sixers have had some time off. But they're so undermanned right now. You've got Andre Andre Drummond doing what Andre Drummond does best, putting up big numbers in losses. Um, Tyrese Maxey's playing really well right now. I, I just don't think they've got the manpower so after opening the season 8-2, and two, they've lost two straight without Embiid. I'm taking the Raptors here tonight. Okay. I like it. I like it for the reasons that you're talking about. Yes, you know, the, they are undermanned. Uh, Maxie had a great game, 31 points last time out. Korkmaz and, and Shake Milton have filled in quite nicely. What worries me, though, is, yes, it's Andre Drummond, as, as you said. Like, he's had 45 rebounds 
in the last two games for him. And if he's anything like Robert Williams, who was a, a real problem for the Raptors last night, then we might be in for another long night. But I think the Raptors have the advantage uh, with their size and their length in clogging up the paint. Um, something that uh, Philly is, if you just if you prevent them from penetrating the paint, you might find success. I am, however, taking Philly in this one. I feel oh, bad for saying it, Josh. I feel bad for saying it. I just, uh, yeah, coming off of last night's uh, underwhelming performance, you, you'd hope the Raptors bounce back. I just, uh, I'm just not, I'm feeling Philly tonight. I'm feeling in Philly. Well, I, I mean, Andre Drummond, we talked about him. His strength is on the glass. And yep. the Sixers, even without Embiid, are a big team. So this is going to be an interesting test for the Raptors. We talked about it earlier. They're, they're, struggle over the, these last couple games has been on the boards, especially without Ken Birch in the lineup. Birch is not expected to play tonight, so the Raptors they've got to go back to doing what they started the season doing really well. They've got to rebound as a team. It, it, it's not going to be one guy that keeps well, drumming off the glass. They've got to find a way to box out. That's exactly it, and they've been saying that all year, right? Like, it's going to take a, an entire team effort to be to rebound and to box out and we just didn't see that uh last night and you're right they have to do that moving forward they really have to keep that at the forefront of their mind it has to it takes all it's going to take everybody on the floor contributing Dwayne Casey coming to town coming back to Toronto on Saturday the Raptors only home game in the span of nine contests then they go out on the road and we'll get into the start of that road trip but first the game against the Pistons, uh, Detroit really struggling 2-8 and eight to start the season, coming off of a win against Houston last night. Cade Cunningham's best game as a pro so far, 20 points in that win over the Rockets. I mean, we, we've seen some pretty fun rookie matchups early on. Uh, I mean, Scotty's gone up against Jalen Green in the preseason. Then you've got Suggs, and he saw uh, Chris Duarte a couple times, Evan Mobley, and now... The number one pick in the draft, Cade Cunningham, coming to Scotiabank Arena. What do you think, Nikki? I think yes. It's always nice to see how Scotty stacks up about you know against the, the guys who were selected before him. Um, but I'm not giving. I'm not going to give Detroit the benefit of anything here. They're two and eight coming into this one. This is a game that the Raptors have to win. Uh, you know they'll be rested on Friday. Um, they're not going to pla- they're not going to practice they'll be home I- i'm going with uh with the toronto in this one and the only entertainment factor that i could see is all the canadians that will be on the floor hopefully ken birch will be back in this one yeah and, and we can enjoy uh you know a canadian injection of some rappers basketball at Scotiabank arena yeah a couple teams that feature three canadians off the bench Corey joseph kelly olenek and trey lyles for the pistons Hey, the only thing that stands out for me in terms of, okay, a little, little bit of uh, a concern picking the Raptors here is Dwayne Casey. Every time he comes back to right. Toronto, he's got that game circled. We've seen the Pistons get up for that, for, for their head coach in the past. But, yeah, I mean, at this point, how can I pick the Pistons to win on the road? against a Raptors team that's gotten off to, with the exception of these last three games, a really good start to this season. So, yeah, I'm saying a couple wins for the Raptors to start this week. They take that game against Detroit. But then 
they go out on a six-game road trip that starts with a, a difficult game. It's always a difficult game in Portland. I'm not sure what they call that arena. It used to be the Rose Garden. Who yeah. knows what it is now, <laughs> the ever-changing arena name. But a, a really good Blazers team that has gotten off to a bit of a slow start, 5-7, and seven, uh, a loss last night. But, hey, th- they're really good at home. They're quietly 5-1 and one to start this season at home, of course, that dynamic backcourt of Lillard and McCollum and an old friend in Norman Powell. What do you see happening, Nikki, to start this road trip? Uh, it'll be interesting to see because it's the first time the Raptors are playing a Western Conference team, right? And and you said at that backcourt, they can put points up in a hurry. And I, I think, you know, that it's one of those, there's a little juice in this game for Norm Powell and Gary Trent Jr., who, of course, you know, traded for each other. Um, I'm going to go with the Raptors in this one, even though it, the Portland is a tough team. The record doesn't reflect how good they are, but I, I, I'm going to go with Toronto in this one. Uh, Pascal, you know, hopefully will be playing this one. I'm hoping Ken Birch will be uh, back in time for this game. Um, I'm going with the Raptors. I'm, I'm going to take the Blazers in this one. I, I expect it to be a close, competitive game. They usually are when the Raptors are in Portland. Um, these trips are tough, though, and that that team is tough in that building. They have been for years now. It's been a really tough schedule, a really tough start for Portland. But I agree with you. I think they're better than their record. I, I definitely think I, it's going to be a big game for Norman Powell and for Gary Trent going back to play his former team. Uh, but, I, I, I mean, listen, Norman Powell is a guy over the years that he's not lacking for motivation. And when he's got those games against teams that he, he's looking forward to playing, he tends to show out. I, I'm going to expect a big game from Norm here, and, and I, I think the Blazers win that one. So, listen, we, we both got the Raptors finishing 2-1 and one this week. Only I've got the win tonight against Philadelphia. You've got the win in Portland. But either way, an important week for the Raptors to bounce back, and we both think that they will. I They have to, right? Because not to look too far ahead down the road, but on that Western trip, they're facing some really tough teams. they got the Jazz, well, you know, the Kings are the Kings, and then you have the league-leading Golden State Warriors. And it's funny because, you know, Nick was telling a story yesterday about him and Bobby talking about the Eastern Conference and how tight things are in the Eastern Conference. And they're naming off teams that are, you know, dominating, like, you know, Milwaukee or at the top of the the team uh, the the standings anyways and then you have your Phillies and whatnot but there's teams that they keep forgetting because it's such a deep deep conference and then when you look at the west Josh there's no breathing room you know so I think the like if you tonight is a game that they have to get even though I I, I said that they're going to lose like the game against Detroit is it is a game that they have to get and so um things aren't going to get easier from here, here on out for the next week and a half so uh, the Raptors need to like figure out what went wrong last night really quickly and, and start to right the ship well that's the thing is is you don't have much time here to turn the page. I think in another scenario and, and often teams say that, right? When you have a bad loss, you say, Okay, well, it's a good thing we don't have much time to sit on this, just go out there, get back at it and try to try to get a win. I'm not sure I'm buying that in this scenario though, especially coming off a game last night where I, I, I'm not sure that it's their worst loss of the season necessarily. You mentioned it earlier. The, the opening night against Washington was pretty brutal. But I do think it was their worst game in terms of offensive execution, execution decision-making, yeah. shot selection, and all that. And this is a young team, right? So 
you could use, I think, in this scenario, an extra day or two to watch the film and and really preach but those that, learning lessons here. But that's what that's the thing about the Boston game is that they had two. They played a Sunday afternoon game, had two days off, and then still laid an egg. Like that's what's kind of frustrating, even more frustrating about the Boston game. I find. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I think. Hey, listen, tonight's going to be interesting in the sense It'll that you don't have. I mean. Normally, you have these games circled. Raptors, Sixers, it's a bit of a, a rivalry that's been brewing over the last few years. Joel Embiid against the Raptors, but it's not going to happen tonight. Still, though, as you mentioned, the schedule doesn't do the Raptors any favors. It did, I guess, today in the sense that the Sixers are going through something right now between the Ben Simmons drama and the fact that they're dealing with a COVID outbreak similar to the one that they had last year where a lot of guys are out. The Raptors have to take advantage of this. So a chance for the Raptors to get back on the winning side of things. And we're going to be back next week. Thanks to Chris Diavero back at, at studio. And, and, and thanks to everybody for listening. We'll talk to you next week here on the Raptors Beat.